The text before us today was written by the Apostle Paul. It was written to a church, to a group of believers. This is a book of the Bible that was, like all of his epistles, were not written to unsaved people. Now, they would be helpful to unsaved people, but it was written to saved people, to Christians who were in the city of Galatia. But as we know from the Bible, this book that we hold today, it is profitable today as well. It is profitable for doctrine. That's teaching, and that's, that's what we try to do at Anchor Baptist Church faithfully, and you need to pray for us as we seek to do that. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof. You know, there are times in my life where I need God to tell me, Ben, you're wrong. And when I hear that, I need to listen. Have you ever been told you were wrong? You know, the natural reaction when we're told that we're wrong is what? No, I'm not. (laughs) You know, who wants to be confronted with error? No one likes it, but that's reproof. And then the Bible is for correction. How am I going to make it what I've done wrong? How am I going to make it right? And that's where the Bible comes in as well. The Bible tells us how to make it right. That's correction. And then it's profitable for instruction in righteousness. It's profitable that we don't make the same mistake the fourth and fifth and sixth time. It's how to keep it right. And so today we have a passage of Scripture that is much much applicable for us in 2023 as it was when Paul was writing these words Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, it has value for us today. As much as it did then, it has value today for us. So, what he is writing here for us today is what we are doing in the present. What are we doing in the present? Right now, in our present life, we are sowing seeds. Spiritual seeds are being sown in your life and in my life. Every day. These are not seeds that you get at the market. These are not seeds that you get at uh, Rona or wherever for your garden. God bless us for gardens and things, but that's not not the kind of seeds. These are spiritual seeds. They really are, are not detectable in a sense. But we are in the process right now. Every day. You got up this morning. I want you to know, you got up this morning, right? You're up. Are you up yet? Okay, good. You're up. Sleepwalk to church. Okay. And you got up this morning and you started sowing seeds. The minute you got up. You didn't go to the seed drawer, but you started sowing seeds. Decisions were made. Choices were made. You started sowing seeds. By the way, sitting here right now, even though you're not moving, you're sowing seeds. We have a choice. When God's word is opened, are we going to heed God's word or are we going to reject God's word? Oh, pastor, I would never reject God's word. I I think we all know what we're saying. We, We don't maybe verbalize it, but we reject God's word when we don't obey it. And what is that? That's sowing a seed. And so we're all sowing seeds. You're going to go to work tomorrow, sowing seeds. You're going to go back to school tomorrow, sowing seeds, sorry. Sowing seeds, sowing seeds. That's what we're doing in the present It's also, Paul is also saying in these two verses, he's also showing us what we will be doing in the future. 
I can predict the future, Miss Ross. We can pre- I can predict the future. You know how you can predict the future? Because when you sow seeds, you know what the future is? Reaping. I can guarantee you something. Paul said to the church, he said, okay, what are you doing right now? You're sowing seeds. That's in the present. What's coming in the future? There's a reaping time. There's a reaping time. This is one of the laws in the Bible of many. This is the law of sowing and reaping. You cannot sow and then not reap. But you cannot reap unless you've sown. But Paul is saying, all of us this morning... Thank you for joining us online. If you're online, you're also sowing. We're sowing, but Paul said in the future, I want you to know that the sowing will eventually lead to reaping. And what does he say, though, before he says that? He confronts the church and he says, Be not deceived. If you've not underlined those words, I would encourage you to underline those words or circle those words or highlight those words in your heart. Because we are sowing and we are going to reap. But Paul says, be not deceived regarding the relationship between sowing and reaping. Now, Satan is the master deceiver. He would love to deceive you and to deceive me that the planting and the sowing and the reaping are not even a part of one another. You know? You can sow however you want to sow and don't worry about it. You'll, you know, don't worry about the reaping. Just sow, as, as some people have said before, just sow your wild oats. Maybe you've heard that term before. I know it may not translate with all of our different languages here today. But praise the Lord for all of our languages that are here. Just sow and sow and live it up and have a great time. And just sow and man, just be excited about the sowing. And you know, it's pleasurable to sow to the flesh. I mean, it's wonderful to sow to the flesh. And, but Paul said, be not deceived. Be not deceived. You see, the law of sowing and reaping is unalterable. Many have tried to alter it. Believe me, you will not be the first that has tried to alter it, and you will not be the last, but I will say this to you lovingly. You will not alter the the principle, the law of sowing and reaping. It is unalterable. You can't change it. You will reap someday. I will reap someday because I am sowing. God is saying for, to us this morning, I believe this is what He's saying, don't be self-deceived. You know, the great, one of the, aside from the devil, the greatest enemy I have is me. Aside from the devil, the greatest enemy you have is you. It's not your mate. It's not your, your, uh, your boss. Who might be your mate? Oh, sorry about that. Oh, goodness sakes. Okay, skip that one. Uh, it's, you know, it's not... No, it's me. I am my greatest enemy. Because if I'm going to be deceived, it's going to be my, my free will and your free will. 
Because Paul lays it out here for us. God's word lays it out here for us. Be not deceived. And here, here is the thing that Paul is saying, and I'm trying to say today, uh, just let God's word be lifted up off the pages, and maybe it's in bold, and it's in red, and it's screaming to you, God is not mocked. You can mock, and I can mock, but I'll tell you this, God is not mocked. Now, I'm thankful that as a believer, my sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. I will never be judged for my sin. If you're a Christian and you've been saved, the Bible makes it very clear, there is now, therefore, no condemnation. We'll talk about that at 5 o'clock. Don't be late, okay? 5 o'clock. Be on time. There's no condemnation. I will not go. I will not have to stand before the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is for people who have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They will be judged for their sins. And what is the wage of sin? Death. At that point, there is no chance for that individual to be forgiven and go to heaven someday at that great white throne. And so I'm thankful that as a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about losing my salvation. I'm not talking about losing the gift because you can't lose a gift. If it's a gift, you can't lose it. What I'm saying is though, there is a judgment seat of Christ for all of us to be at that are Christians and there will be a judgment there too. That judgment is not on my sin. That judgment is on my works for the Lord or my lack thereof. If you're a new Christian, I want to encourage you this morning. God did not save you just to keep you out of hell. God did not save you just so that you could go to heaven when you die. God saved you to live for your life for Him. If you're 20 years old or 40 years old or 60 years old and you just got saved or you've been saved for decades, don't forget that. Be not deceived. God did not save you just to go through life just like a normal individual. You are a child of the King. You represent Christ. You are a Christian a follower of Jesus Christ. There should be something drastically different about the way I think, the way I act, the way I live, because I'm planting seeds. Be not deceived. Even as a Christian, this was written to Christians, right? This was not written to a lost world. This was written to people that have already turned to Christ. And Paul says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. The law of the harvest, some have called it. The law of sowing and reaping. We don't have time to give all of these, but let me just give us a couple of them by way of introduction. The Bible has much to say about deceit and being deceived. We are deceitful and we are deceived. <laughs> Rebecca and Jacob. Again, I won't, we won't be able to turn to all of these, but... Maybe you want to jot them down. Rebecca and Jacob, they deceived Isaac in Genesis 27, 9 and 19. Putting on skin to make him feel like his brother Esau. Cooking the, uh, the meat to make it taste like what he would cook and so forth. And what, he really, what Isaac really liked. and what it, it was a deception to get that birthright. Or to get that blessing, excuse me. He'd already given up his birthright. 
But there was deception there. You know what goes around comes around, right? Or whatever we sow, we reap. Guess what happened to Jacob? Well, he met, he met his father-in-law. His name is Laban. And Laban, he changed Jacob's wages. Not one time, not two times, but ten times. Why? Because God is not mocked. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. That's in Genesis 31, by the way, verse 7. How about Joseph's brothers? Dad, you're not going to believe this. Look, we found this laying on the side of the road. Joseph, he must be dead. Well, that's not true. That's not what happened. That was deception. Genesis 37, 31 and 32. King Herod tried to deceive the wise men. Matthew chapter 2, verse 8, and when he said, hey, when you find out about where Jesus is going to be born, please come and let me know because I want to worship him. Liar, liar, pants on fire. He wanted to kill him. Deception. Deception. We are surrounded, even in 2023, we are surrounded by people that try to deceive if you have your Bibles open, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. They were in the Bible days, and they're in our day. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not recommending you do this, but it won't take long to find some kind of a religious television network, and you can find somebody up there and under the name of God who is deceiving. It won't take long. I don't recommend necessarily you do it, because, again, we are susceptible to be deceived. Look what it says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse 13. For such were false apostles. Notice what he calls them. What kind of workers? Deceitful workers. Mm. Transforming themselves. Wow, look at that. Transformers. That's before the Transformers. They were in the Bible. One of my toys, you know. <laughs> Maybe it was my brother's anyway. Anyway, the tune is in my head right now. Okay, Lord, take that tune out from the... Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Yes, there are people today that say they are naming, they are naming the name of Christ, but they're deceivers. They're false prophets and apostles. I tried to combine two words there. They were in Corinth. They're in Burnaby. They were in Corinth. They're in Coquitlam. They were in Corinth. They're everywhere. They're on the internet. Be careful. Be careful how much YouTube searching you do. Because there's deceivers and false prophets and teachers that the Bible says transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. Mark 13. Let's go back to Mark 13. Be not deceived. Mark 13, Jesus gives a warning. Mark 13. You know, this is why we need to know. Again, I, I, I'm sorry if I'm being a little bit just over, over emphasis here, but it's why we need to understand salvation. 
frontwards and backwards. Because there's coming a day when some will preach a brand new gospel. It'll sound so good. It'll sound almost like the truth. That's the hardest one to decipher. But if we know what God's Word says, and we rightly divide the Word of truth, because some people will even use the Bible to use deceit. So you can't even say, well, this guy said he believed the Bible. Yeah, we can flip-flop the Bible all day long in the flesh and make it sound like whatever we want it to sound like in, so, in many instances. But that doesn't mean that it's right. Be not deceived. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 13 and verse 5. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed or pay attention, lest any man, what? deceive you for many shall come in my name saying remember remember the bible is not an archaic book that is out of date the bible is current for today it's more current than the online newspaper that you might read and and jesus said beware take heed that some men deceive you because there will be men who will come in my name many will come in my name and say i am christ and shall what Deceive many. You know, God has allowed me to be the under-shepherd of this church uh, since the day, day one, June 3rd, 2001. We'll be celebrating this year, June 4th, 2023. 22 years to God be the glory. And you know what? It, is, it should be the job of the under-shepherd. And I, I need your prayer because I, I need to do a better job that, that God would enable me to protect the sheep from deception. I still remember one day years ago after an unbelievable Sunday I could take you to the spot. I could walk you to the spot. It would take us about 15, 20 minutes to get there. We could drive there. I could take you to the spot where a Sunday school teacher after a baptism said to me, I'm leaving the church. No warning. A Sunday school teacher, I'm leaving the church. What? You're leaving the church. Yeah, I've learned that what we've been hearing here is not right and we should be going to church on Saturday and not Sunday. And on and on and on and on it went. Because this person got sucked into a prophecy conference. That's what it was labeled as. But it wasn't a prophecy conference. It was an indoctrination conference. It grieved my heart. I love this individual. I still love this individual. To this day, if they walked in the door, I would love the fact that they walked in the door. I have no animosity at all, but I was greatly hurt. Not hurt for me necessarily, but hurt for that individual that in some way, how did, how did I, and again, it wasn't necessarily my fault, but you, you take responsibility. You should at least as a leader take responsibility. And oh, I mean, that was, that was a stab right in the heart. And you know what it was? It was deception. So I'm not speaking to someone who's only been saved a month. I might be speaking to someone who's been saved 20 years. The devil has not stopped trying to deceive you or me, no matter how long we've been saved. Jesus said there, and shall deceive many. 
and shall deceive many. False teachers in 2 Corinthians, false witnesses. Proverbs 14.5, a faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. Second uh, John verse 7 says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Okay, there's a flag. Did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? Yes, he did. Did he cease to become God? No, he didn't. He was the God-man. And so any doctrine that says that Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh is, as John wrote, 2 John verse 7, who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, this is a deceiver and an antichrist. How about John 8.44? If we're there in Mark, turn over to John 8.44. Be not deceived. Folks, I'm telling you, the deception is only going to get more powerful. The deception is going to get only more undetectable. The Bible even says that the very elect could fall. I I hope and pray that you are receiving this uh, from the Lord and from the Holy Spirit first and foremost, from the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, then you have the Holy Spirit in you and I hope the Holy Spirit is, is, is using this book, not even what I'm saying, but what is in this book, to say to you and to me today, listen, take heed. I hope that's what the Holy Spirit is saying. Take heed. Take heed, dad and mom, for the children that are under your care. Take heed, teenager. Take heed, adult. Take heed. Be not deceived. John 8, 44. Ye are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth. This next phrase, isn't this, isn't this powerful? Because there is no truth in him. None. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. He is a liar and the father of it. Deception is all around us. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16. Let's go there. I, I know we're in the New Testament, but let's go, to, let's go to Moses' writing to the nation of Israel here and to us this morning as well. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Teenager, be not deceived. If you're in a public school, you're starting to hear some really... You're starting to hear some anti, more anti-biblical things than ever before. Be not deceived. You better know what you believe about a man and a woman. You better know all of these things, biblically speaking, be not deceived. And dad and mom, it is our responsibility, first and foremost, to lovingly, I'm not just talking to public school kids, I'm talking to all kids, that we make sure that our children know what does God's word say. Not not that we just, just believe me, just believe me, no. This is truth. Pilate, remember what Pilate said to Jesus? If there's anything under attack today, one of the brothers was telling me this yesterday, truth is under attack. Don't be deceived. Hey, truth never changes. Society changes overnight these days. But truth doesn't. This book is eternal. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled where? 
You know where it's settled? In heaven. Forever. That's a long time. That means there's never been a time when this book did not exist. It wasn't in writing, but it did, it, there's never been a time when it did not exist. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is God in print. It's truth. It is under attack in every shape and form. Media attacks truth, always. And the attack is getting more and more intense and more and more believers are getting sucked away. Why? Because they're being deceived. I'm saying be not deceived. The warning is here. Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter uh, number 11. Verse 16. Take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. That's a, that's a key word there, really. Yourselves. We want to take heed to everybody else but ourselves sometimes, don't we? Well, you know, I could solve that person's problems right away. How about we talk about ourselves? It's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. Take heed to yourselves, Moses said, that your heart, your heart, your heart, you see it, church, your heart be not, what? Deceived. Be aware of it. And ye turn aside. Here's what happens when your heart is deceived. It doesn't matter if it's Deuteronomy 11 or Galatians 6-7. I believe Deuteronomy 11, we're seeing this today in the church. God help me, God help you not to be deceived in our heart because what happens when our heart is deceived? Moses said that we will turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. This is the nation of Israel but I believe we can apply it to the born-again believer here today. They are two separate entities, nation of Israel and the church. Okay? The church did not replace the nation of Israel. This isn't a prophetic message. That's not what this is about. But I'm just saying, we can learn from this that the same happens today when we let our hearts be deceived. We can even be coming to church, but we can be serving other gods and worshiping them. Be not deceived. By the way, this is a warning in Deuteronomy chapter 11 in case for me, and again, again, what I gained from that warning is this is a warning against the deception of prosperity. That could be one of the biggest deceptions in a a first world nation for even believers. Prosperity. Praise God for what we have. But we cannot be deceived by prosperity. Prosperity. We must not be deceived by the, the, a, a dollar or ten of them or fifty of them or a hundred of them or a thousand of them. We must not be deceived by climbing the ladder of success. This warning is there. Be not deceived. As we understand this law of reaping, let's go back to Galatians 6. Please, thank you for listening. I trust that the Holy Spirit of God is challenging us this morning to not be, to be not deceived. 
May we understand anew and afresh the law of reaping. Why? Two reasons. Number one, there can be profound blessing. Profound blessing. How many of you like that thought? Profound blessing. You'd like to be blessed of the Lord. Yeah. I need to be blessed of the Lord. Then I need to understand the law of sowing and reaping. The second half of that says, He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. That's a profound blessing. And it doesn't start when we die. That blessing, that reaping can begin now. But also, we must understand there is a real judgment. While God's laws cannot be changed, the problem that we have in our society is that we believe that law can be amended, made better. A law can be repealed, which means to withdraw that law. A law can be adjusted to change to make it suitable. Let's just change God's word a little bit to make it a suitable. Whoa, whoa, time out. A law can be improved upon. This book cannot be improved upon. A law can be corrected, revised, reversed, abolished, which means to be done away with. By the way, this is man's law. And we've seen in our lifetime, in your lifetime, what used to be illegal, hang on now, what used to be illegal is now legal. Yesterday we were out delivering tracks. One house, you could smell it on the sidewalk. Marijuana. In case you were wondering. I think we all know that already. In, in 2001, medical marijuana was made legal. In uh, 2018, recreational use was made legal. Abortion was illegal in Canada until 1988. Gambling in, in the lottery until 1969. And then in 1985, officially became, became legal. Did you know that it used to be illegal to shop on Sunday? I remember in um, Illinois, where I used to go to, where I used to live. Well, we lived in Indiana, but we lived in, near, right near Illinois, Chicago, there area. I just forgot the name of the city, but it's a Dutch community. Anyway, for the longest time, that Dutch community, very religious, everything was closed on Sunday. South Holland, there we go, Holland, that, that's the giveaway. South Holland, Illinois, nothing was open on Sunday. Obviously, same-sex marriage was actually illegal. And by the way, my son sent me a thing this week that in Uganda, three cheers for a third world country. They just voted this week in their parliament that same-sex marriage was illegal. It passed. Three cheers for a third world country. No cheers for first world. We can't figure it out. We can change God's law. 
That's not what God meant. That's not how God's law is. His law is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's law will not change. And God's law applies for everyone. What does this word deceived mean? Let's take a look at a couple of these words and we're almost done. Be not deceived. The word deceived means to cause to wander, to go astray. We have been deceived many times and we do not even know that we've been deceived until it's too late. I'm trying with God's help and I know that I'm, I'm so feeble and I, I'm not the guy for the job necessarily, but I'm just trying to say from my heart today, be not deceived. If I can wake one person up today, and it's not me doing it, if the Holy Spirit can wake one of us up today that is starting to fall asleep to deception, I'm not talking about you're tired, uh, but uh, to wake us up, then I say it's worth it. Because the devil will pull out all the stops to deceive us. Remember, this passage is not written to unbelievers. This passage is written to Christians. If it was in Galatia, it's in Burnaby. If it was in Galatia, it's in Port Moody. If it's in Galatia, it was where you live and where I live. I just lift up Paul's words that are under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and say, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Let's look at that word mocked. The word mocked means to turn up one's nose at. Okay, here's here's the thought. God is not going to move His law for anyone. God is not going to move His law for me or for you. Now, God loves you. God loves me. God loves those who mock Him. Jesus said it on the cross. Father, you know, I... I, have to, I try to have a vision in my mind of what God must be doing in heaven in 2023 as He's looking down on this world and He's seeing all the deceit, not in the lost, but the deceit amongst His children. If you're a parent, you know what that feels like in some little way, possibly to see your child going the wrong direction or making the wrong decision or somebody's child making the wrong decision. Imagine what God looks down from heaven and He looks down just in this little humble abode here this morning on these two rooms at every believer and He sees how quickly deception is allowed into my life and He sees how quickly that deception can come in and utterly destroy my testimony. As a parent, He's my Father. He's my loving Heavenly Father. And He must break His heart when He looks down on believers who are allowing deceit right into their home through the television, right into their home through movies, right into their home through the internet, and they're just sitting there listening to deceit five, six, seven hours a day. No wonder destruction comes. When you feed on deception long enough, you know what it'll be? Here's what it'll be. Truth. Yeah. In your mind, it will be truth. 
And it doesn't matter how much somebody shows you something from this book in your mind. It's true now. I've heard it so long. I've been inundated with it so long. Oh, what must our Heavenly Father, what must His heart be breaking for me and breaking for you and breaking for those that we love who are being deceived that somehow they're going to be able to sow and sow and sow and sow to the flesh and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, powie, wowie, we're going to be able to reap to the Spirit when we sow to the flesh. No, it doesn't work that way. Does God forgive? Does God forgive, yes or no? But does that change His law? It does not. I say this lovingly. It doesn't matter if I sow to the flesh and sow to the flesh and sow to the flesh and then say, God, forgive me of sowing to the flesh. It doesn't matter. There will be a reaping. Because if not, God is a liar. And God is not a liar. God is just. I will reap. I will reap whatever I sow. Doesn't mean I lose my salvation. Hang on. Doesn't mean I'm going to hell because I've sinned so many times. But it does mean the law of harvest doesn't change. I'm not saying that to, to pound on me or pound on us. I'm saying, wherever you are right now, stop the deception. Stop putting that in front of you. Stop letting your kids put it in front of them if you're letting them. Or if you don't even know about it, find out. Cut the deception off. To be mocked is to turn one's nose at something. The law of the soil is what goes in, is what comes out. Verse 8, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Remember, this is written to Christians. Spiritual things in. Guess what comes out? Spiritual things. Blessings. Fleshly things go in. Fleshly things come out. So, the law of the soil requires one major ingredient. And here's what it is. Seed. Seed. What do we need to guard? Okay, here we go, quickly. What do we need to guard? Number one, we need to guard our thoughts. Your thoughts are your seeds. What are you thinking about today? Right now you're thinking, man, I am getting hungry, pastor. Come on, get this thing, land this plane, would you? Or is the stewardess coming out to serve lunch because this is going a long time? Or we pull in the parking lot. What are we thinking? Are we, have we prayed at all? God, I need to hear from, I don't need to hear necessarily from the pastor, but I need to hear from you. Or is our mind already just totally just filled with who knows what? We walk up. Billy Sunday could be here. Charles Spurgeon could be here. I mean, you know, it's not about the man. It's about the message. What are we thinking? Our thoughts are our seeds. Guard your thoughts. Number two, our feelings. Yes, our feelings. Let me tell you, feelings are all over the map. But feelings are seeds. 
I don't feel it. Okay, you know what? I don't feel it all the time either. And what, what affects my feelings many times is what is around me. What I'm allowing around me. I need to protect my feelings. Number three, my purpose. My purpose. My purpose in life is a seed. What is my purpose? Do you have a purpose statement for your life? Have you ever thought about that? Tell me your purpose. I'm asking for it. What is your purpose statement? Well, I want to graduate from grade 12. I want to get a job. Maybe get married. Maybe have, you know, 14 kids. What's the... I, I want to get a good job. Da, 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 da. What's my purpose? As a Christian, God helping me and God helping you, the purpose of our life has nothing to do with getting a good job. That's not my purpose. I was not created to be a pastor. I was created to bring honor and glory to God. It doesn't matter what my job title is. Am I bringing honor and glory to God? That's my purpose. Glorify God. I can't glorify God if I'm being deceived. My plans kind of goes along with purposes, doesn't it? What are your plans? Plans are seeds. Have you planned your life around the will of God? Listen, have you planned your life around the will of God? Or are you just planning your life? Don't plan your life. Plan your life around the will of God. Never make a decision that you wouldn't consult with God on. I am not God. But you've been given an under-shepherd to, to go to and say, what do you think about this? Should I do this? Again, I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But if, you, if this is your church, I am your under-shepherd. What are your plans? Do they involve the will of God? I watched the funeral last night of a 19-year-old young boy. His plans were to serve God. God said, okay, I'm taking you. You're coming to heaven. Parents have been missionaries in Honduras since 2004. He was born in Costa Rica during language school. Studying at Pensacola Christian College to go in the pastoral ministry. Just turned 19 a month ago. A drunk driver ran, in, ran him over. You know what? None of his plans matter now. None of his goals matter now. I pray that God will use his death to inspire me, to inspire you. Who are we? we? I don't even know this family. I've had one little bit of communication years ago with his dad. We were in one church service together in Atlanta, Georgia, a few years back. Last year, actually. I don't know them, but they're with BIMI. Oh, I, I, my heart was breaking for the father who was up there preaching at his son's funeral. He gave a testimony last summer. It was recorded. They played it at his funeral yesterday casket right down there in the front closed the end of his testimony he said I just want to live my life for Christ I just want to live my life for Christ is that your testimony 
I'll live for Christ later. I mean, I have later. I'll get my relationships lined out, settled later. No, I mean, I have later. Then just a month or so ago in preaching class. Amazing. In preaching class, he preached about how he got saved. How's his dad talked to him about the Lord? He said, my dad talked to me about salvation again. I was five years old. I'd, I'd gotten in trouble with my dad and got disciplined. And then my dad used it as an opportunity to tell me about the love of God and remind me once again. And I believe that's when he got saved. I don't know why God does things like that. I'm thankful God is good and he never makes a mistake. And before that boy, on the day of that, the day that boy was born, 19 years ago, God knew that he was going to die a month after he turned 19. Pray for the Goins family. G-O-I-N-S, pray for the Goins family. I'm telling you, the devil is a great deceiver. Don't listen to him. What are our motives? Motives are seeds. Well, I'm doing this because I want... I'm only doing this because I want God's blessing. No, 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 no. That's not a good motive. I'm doing this because I love God. And by the way, I don't love God as I should. Help me to pray, pray that I'll love God in a greater way, please. Because if we love God in a greater way, it'll motivate us. We are always thinking, feeling, purposing, planning, speaking, acting. We are always sowing for eternity. We are bombarded daily with the enticements to sow to the flesh. I don't have to remind you of those. In closing, it is impossible to sow tares and reap wheat. It is impossible to sow fleshly and reap spiritual. It is impossible to sow evil thoughts and reap godly thoughts. It's impossible to sow hate and reap love. It's impossible to sow sow meanness and reap kindness. It's impossible to sow to the temporal and have eternal. It's impossible to sow fretfulness and reap joyfulness. Job said in chapter 4, verse 8, Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. Proverbs 22, 8, He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity. The quality of the harvest will always be determined by the quality of the seed. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, Sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. Guard your thoughts, they become words. Guard your words, they become actions. Guard your actions, they become habits. Guard your habits, they become character. Guard your character because it becomes your destiny. There's more, but I think that's where the Lord would have us stop. Paul said three words. Be not 